Hi everyone, your friendly podcast producer Paul here, and just a heads up that there will obviously be spoilers ahead, but more importantly, since this game touches upon a lot of sensitive topics in its world, we will be talking about a few things some folks might want to steer clear of. So, just a content warning for violence, death, and substance abuse for this review discussion. As usual, I'll play this sound when we get close to it, and I'll provide a timestamp in the show notes if you'd like to just skip right over it. Thanks. everybody and welcome to another fan bite review podcast this week we have a slightly special episode for you discussing a re-release this time actually disco elysium the final cut it's the definitive version of the incredible rpg from 2019 we gushed about it back then and we're not stopping now never ever ever baby (laughs) wow I am Steven Strum, managing editor of fanbyte.com, and I am joined again this week by one uh, Danielle Riendo of fanbyte.com, the editor in chief, if you will. That's me. I'm Rafael DeCosto, or whatever Harry uh-huh. calls himself at the very beginning. Of the oh, game. getting Rafael right into it. De- did something Costo, right? Something, yeah, something Rafael something like Costo. Yeah, Costo, yeah. Rafael, yeah. Yeah, you know, kind of like the famous Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, um, Jacques Cousteau. Yeah, Raphael Jacques Cousteau. I mean, my last name actually means without water in French. So I feel like I'm of a piece, you know, here with what's going on. Sure, sure. Yeah, since it's all French, you know, it takes place in a French place. It's Elysium. Would you describe this as French? Yeah. Is, Is it not supposed to be French? Well, I guess it depends on which uh, characters that you pass the right speech checks with if you didn't learn certain things about the world. Uh, There is a little bit of um, extra context going on in here, but just to start things off, let's explain what we're actually talking about. This is, of course, Disco Elysium. It is a murder mystery detective RPG in somewhat similar style as uh, like your Baldur's Gates and your Planescape Torments. The one big difference being that there is no combat. It is all dialogue. So you are leveling up, you are um, rolling dice, you are passing checks, you're doing all that stuff, but instead of like fighting... Uh, characters you're just like talking your way through things or doing investigation checks and like hoping that you can find the right thing or trying to lift something very heavy there's all kinds of different little stats the basic premise of the game is that your character wakes up in a hotel room in the middle of a uh, small district of a major city in a major country that used to be the heart of the world that uh, underwent a that used to be kind of ruled by like this evil empire uh, went on to throw a communist revolution Revolution. The revolution was quickly quashed by uh, various capitalist powers of the world who uh, killed all the communists. And um, now you are living in kind of the ruins of what is left um, of, in this failed coup. And um, there's been a murder outside of the hotel that you are staying staying at, the Whirling in Rags. But rather than investigate it properly, right before the events of the game, your character, an unnamed at first, although Danielle might have uh, let slip the name of the character. Um, (laughs) It's all good. There will will be spoilers on this one. No, no. This is going to be a spoiler one. We can't talk about this game without spoilers. Also, it's two years old. Um, Yeah. 
I think so. <laughs> but um, the game, um, yeah, sees your character wake up uh, in the Whirling in Rags in this hostel um, without any memories. Uh, he has completely blasted away any brain cells he had left with, uh, I think, seven-day bender of drugs, alcohol, and various other substances, uh, and now can't remember a damn thing. The body that was discovered outside of the Whirling in Rags is still hanging from a tree and has not been taken down as it's been cooking in the sun for several days. And uh, that embarrassing faux pas is brought to your attention by a uh, friendly character named uh, Kim Kitsuragi, who becomes your detective, sort of the Watson to your homes, if you will. Yes. And uh, is one of the greatest characters ever written in a video game, I would uh, estimate. And together, you go on to try and investigate this murder that is uh, quickly becoming a cold case before uh, anybody else can uh, try to step in and take advantage of the situation. Yeah. Uh, Danielle, what is your experience with Disco Elysium before this here final cut? All I knew about it, all I knew was that it was fantastic and you and Merritt and I think John and a couple of other people really, really, really loved it. And I think it came out right around the time where I came to Fanbyte, which was pretty cool. Uh, I don't know the exact month. I mean, I know the exact month I started, but it was big in the sort of game of year discussions. There were a lot of pieces about it. There was a lot of really awesome discussion about it. And I, I knew that Kim was awesome. I knew it was a detective game. And for some reason, I thought it was very, very French, like just overwhelmingly French. I might have been wrong about the French part. I've, I'm now finding out, but uh, that's all. That's all I knew. This is my very first time going through the game. I downloaded it on my PlayStation 4. And I have had, I will say, I've had some technical issues. I have yes. had a crash or two. I've had some issues with the interface. But I think it's just probably designed to be uh, a mouse and keyboard kind of game, uh, which I'm very okay with playing on a controller, especially because there's no, like, Twitch movements or anything like that. No, so no, not at all. It's mostly working very, very, very well. And I am in love with it. I am completely in love with this game. I love the world that it's taking place in. I love how much lore and like world building and interesting story and interesting layers to the story. I love how much it's unclear what you need to know and what you don't need to know. That feels yeah. like a genuine investigation in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, it's up to you to kind of sort through the information. And the game does a good job of contextualizing you as the player character, uh, your thoughts. And like a lot of things are very clearly not as important. Um, but they will be important in some ways. And I think it does an amazing job with the sort of voices in your head and the thought. Um, it's like the thought directory, I think. something Thought like cabinet, that. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, there's a lot of ways of organizing information that I think are really well designed in this game. But yeah, just as a, as a sort of overall assessment, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm not completely done with the game, I will be honest. I have not had time to completely finish it, but <laughs> I can't wait to go back to it. Like, we're in this conversation right now. I have it on on my screen, not actively playing. It's on pause. And I'm just like, oh, I can't wait to see where I can get to next. I can't wait to talk to this person next. I'm the type of player who likes to look at every single thing in a game, especially a game of this nature. Like, I want to look at every object. I want to talk to every person. I want to exhaust every conversation. Um, I just want every little bit of it, basically. So I'm yeah. having a very good time. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm super glad to hear that because um, I think that this game can definitely catch some people off guard right off the bat. Um, I remember when I had first heard about it, uh, it was uh, through one Waypoint, um, a company oh. that you might be a little bit familiar with. Oh, yeah, with. that place. Yeah, yeah, that place. All right. 
Um, and I remember reading an article at the time by Austin Walker over there uh, about basically how the game, like his initial interpretation of the game was that it was like very nihilistic or aggressively like uh, hopeless or something like that. And once you play enough of the game, like, I, it can make that sort of first impression. But once you play more of the game, it becomes very clear that this is actually like deeply full of um, goofy hope and, you know, love for its characters and an interesting world. There are dark elements to it. It's a dark world for sure. Um, but it is also just like very, very fun and interesting as well. And um, it, you can't kind of overlook that uh, or you can overlook it if you don't get too far into the game. Yeah, and I think a lot of the kind of like heart and soul of this game ends up being uh, becoming the relationship between um, the main character, who goes by many different names depending on your choices, actually. Uh, but I think is generally referred to as Harry by a lot of different players. Harry uh, Dubois. Harry Dubois. Uh, and his partner, Kim Kitsuragi, who, uh, if we want to actually circle back to, um, you starting at the website, um, fanbyte.com, uh, back around the time that this game came out, there was a big discussion around like best character of the year, best original character game of the year talk. Um, it was like me and Merritt saying like, no, it's Kim Kitsuragi versus everybody else at the website who hadn't played Disco Elysium yet. (laughs) Um, wait, what were they saying? Uh, you, you were among them, Danielle. So Wait, what did I say? You said that Parvati from The Outer Worlds was the best character of the year, and that's who ended up ultimately winning. Oh, wow. Can I take that back? <laughs> uh, I love The Outer Worlds, and Parvati's great, but Kim is way more interesting. I mean, it's a different type of game, obviously. Like, this is a very wordy game. This was basically a game that was made by a novelist and designer like this this is a game about writing and it's a game about uh using words in colorful ways and evocative ways right and the outer worlds is a very good fallout and like it it, you know certainly there's writing in it i'm not saying there's not writing in that game but this is just a different uh, a different level of immersion i guess is a Mm -hmm. good way of putting it uh so yeah i um two years later i rescind that i would like to rescind my decision in that and uh kim Kim should be the character of the year 2019. Thank you. That, I rest my case. We'll just go back and we'll we'll um, etch a little asterisk next to Parvati's name from that <laughs> year's Game Awards. Um, so that's great. Also, uh, Paul, our producer, who is in the chat right now, says uh, that he also would have had our back on uh, Kim, for which I thank him immensely. Um, <laughs> thank yeah. you, Paul and Kim. <laughs> <laughs> Kim is great. And now we get even more Kim because one of the biggest changes made to Disco Elysium, the final cut, is that all of that writing you were just talking about, which is over a million words, I think is what they said. Or oh, wow. is it a million lines? I forget the exact specifics. Damn. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, is voice acted now. Most of it is voice acted, I would say. Um, a lot of it actually isn't in in certain strange ways that are kind of just like kind of swept under the rug, and I'm like fine with that. Um, your detective, for instance, is not voiced, which I think is actually probably the right move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and any kind of narration that is describing actions of characters who are speaking rather than intercut like the narrator coming in and saying like she turns away slowly and blinks or something like that they just like yeah. leave that on screen as text basically everything else is voice acted though yeah i i didn't realize so i have no context i have no frame of reference for what has changed here is it just and not just, obviously that's a huge undertaking. I don't want to make it seem as if that's not, but is it primarily the voice acting? Is it primarily more voice acting in this cut 
or is there more content? Is there more content in other ways as well? There is more content in other ways. So the voice acting is, I think, the most like prevalent thing that anybody playing will notice. Um, But I'm curious, have you gotten to any of the like um, political um, thought cabinet headspace things? They have a name in game. I forget exactly what they are, but there's like basically political tracks that your character can uh, fall down uh, according to like different dialogue options that you choose throughout the game. Like if you choose a bunch of dialogue options that are very communist, uh, your character will unlock the ability to become a communist like ideologically by inserting that into their thought cabinet. Yeah, there's there's four. I, I know that there are four like main ideologies that you can basically follow. Right? Yeah, um, I think there might yeah, be a I couple think more. I, that I are, think like, secret, so far, yeah. my Harry is a communist. Yeah, <laughs> thus far he's a communist. But uh, it, there's there's like a liberalism, like a, a more the traditional, like the more. Sorry that I keep saying it's French. I, maybe there's just some part of my brain that is just there's a lot of French Revolution in this game, and that's sure. why my brain is just like, oh, yeah, this is this is French. And I just spent, you know, half a year listening to the Revolutions podcast on the French Revolution. So my brain is just in that place with a lot of this stuff. But yeah, yeah, there's like liberalism in that more traditional view of liberalism. There's definitely fascism. There's there's a kind of moralism. And then there's there's pretty straight up communism. So, yeah, I have I have done a bit of that. And there is a a whole bunch of uh, my Harry being uh, quite quite the communist thus far. So all of those political visions that you have now um, have their own like side quests uh, attached to them called like political vision quests, I think is what they're Mm, called. Yeah. Um, And those are all brand new. Uh, Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. They're basically just like there to um, give a little bit more meat to your character's philosophical like exploration rather than simply uh be a different thing that you can say in con- like conversation which at times in the original disco elysium could come across come across a little bit dismissive a little a little bit too mm, jokey sure. um which is i think is like one of the things that led a lot of people to initially think that the game was maybe being like very nihilistic it's just like well all the political ideologies are bad and it's like once you play enough of the game you very quickly realize no this game is incredibly leftist and is like sure. if yeah. you try to be a fascist or a racist or anything like that it is actively pushing back against you constantly and and you fail and uh, flub up uh over that we have a great piece on the website actually on fanbyte.com about uh, uh, one of our writers who i'm very sorry i forget the name of but i believe the article is something along called something like I played Disco Elysium as an absolutely gigantic fascist. Um, <laughs> and it basically chronicles the process of trying to play this game as an asshole and the game pushes back against you constantly and and um, makes you fail in different ways uh, for that. Whereas if you uh, lean into the more left-leaning, like more empathetic different elements of the game, it definitely starts to open up a lot more interesting and fun and funny, but punching up usually kind of conversations. Um, And now these uh, vision quests are there to basically like explore those in ways beyond just like some flavor dialogue here and there. Yeah. It was uh, Stephen Scaife, actually. Stephen Um, Scaife. Okay. I thought it might be, but I wasn't sure. For us. Yeah. Yeah. And it is exactly what you thought. I played Disco Elysium as an absolutely gigantic fascist. (laughs) So if you want to read that piece. Yeah. Um, Really, really good stuff. I, I want to... I want to sort of acknowledge something, which I guess this game has a hard, hmm. I want to advocate for this game, but I want to do it in a way that like, uh, this game has a hard elevator pitch, I guess is the thing (laughs) I'm trying to kind of get at here, right? Of like, okay, I want people to play this game. I want them to feel 
the feelings I feel when I'm playing this game. I want them to actually kind of dig in and dive in and feel it for themselves and see it for themselves. But it is difficult to say, pitch this necessarily and be like, okay, do you want to play this million word or whatever, the million line game uh, set in this, this sort of fantasy revolution uh, in like, you know, deep, deep poverty that like shows a lot of very depressing things and also stars uh, a person who's like suffering from addiction pretty horrendously and also like has really good politics, but they're very, uh, you know, they're very deep. Like the things go deep here. The thoughts in this game are not surface level thoughts, I'd like to say. And I guess I want to, not that we can both like solve this right now, but maybe we can. Maybe we can make an elevator pitch for this game that is like, everybody should play this game. Don't worry about how dark and deep it is. You'll love it. It's going to yeah. feel great. It's about a disco. uh elevator pitch is tough um i could maybe provide a small anecdote from the first time that i beat this game that i still love to this day that i think really um just showcases the sort of way that your character can like uh mr magoo their way through this world um (laughs) in just the best ways um, which was, um, so in Disco Elysium, you have various stats that, uh, affect you in different ways, open up different dialogue options, open up different, like, discoveries that your character can make if they're, like, if they're really good at recreating, um, scenes in their mind, for instance, um, like, it's called Visual Calculus, I believe that skill is called. Yes. They, they yeah. can, like, almost do, like, Batman holographic detective vision and be like, okay, well, I see that the bullet came from outside of the room because the glass is on the inside and blah 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 um and that's those stats can be affected by like you leveling up over time but they can also be affected by the gear that you wear um and early on in my first playthrough of uh, disco elysium um there's a part where there's like a big like your character can basically try to jump from one building to the next the rooftop of one building to the next and kim makes some joke about like how you could try jumping i guess like he's he's (laughs) goofing but you you can take it seriously because your character can take things seriously or can be a complete moron uh basically to your whim and (laughs) i made that skill check to try and jump over the uh cliff and what happened was uh rather than like jump and then fall to his death or something like that the character runs up uh stops right before the ledge and then like just like holds there and just like no 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 no, i'm too chicken but the embarrassment (laughs) of being too chicken Gave him a heart attack because you have like a morality or not a morality, right. a morale health yeah. bar that yeah. you can die from. So my character uh, ran towards the ledge, um, got embarrassed and then had a heart attack and died. And I got a game over screen after which point I was like, OK, how can I raise my score so that I have a better chance of jumping over this cliff? And I realized that the pants that my character was wearing gave him a negative one to savoir faire which was the skill that I needed to jump and be cool, cool enough to jump. And I took off my pants (laughs) and lost, (laughs) which raised my savoir faire by one point. Um, And so my character now wearing like a smoking jacket and like, you know, rubber goggles and um, gardening gloves and no pants, just jumping in their tidy whiteies, pale legs flopping in the wind, jumps <laughs> from this one building to the next and like opens the door from the other side because taking off his pants made him cool enough to 
jump through the air six feet uh, and get over there and open up the door. And Kim was like, holy fucking shit. Like, I didn't think you'd actually try to open it, but I guess results are results. Uh, Paula well, says you see this in Bushwick very often. That is I correct. Bet. <laughs> that is true. You do. You do see it in Bushwick often. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of my favorite little stories of like the kind of like mechanical interactions that you can get to in Disco Elysium that are very lighthearted and goofy and slapstick in different ways. Uh, slapstick in this way that is not like, again, doesn't punch down on the characters necessarily all the time. Your character is a fuck up. They they have feel really bad about their lives to the point where they try to drink all their, their um, you know, passed away their 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 history away and that is definitely treated with like severity a lot of the time but the sort of like carte blanche that you have as like this new character this new person who has no past can be leaned into in ways that are very very funny and the game does not really judge you for it yeah i really i really enjoyed that i thought that was a really really cool thing it just generally it feels like all the design decisions are, are kind of meant to give you interesting choices, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, y- you have very few boring choices in this game. Um, and again, it, it being a very, like, literary game, I, it's kind of wonderful that it leans into the sense of humor as much as it does, and that it leans into, like, what's an interesting choice? What's an interesting result? What will the player kind of find little moments of surprise and delight in in, mm-hmm. in this really grim kind of world? and A world that has a lot of depressing elements, but also these, like, really fantastic elements as well. Yeah. I did want to ask about something um, that's also, I guess, maybe a little heavy and a little bit difficult, but there is a line really early on that really directly uh, connects the main character's substance abuse with seeing terrible things all the time and seeing dead bodies and seeing crime and seeing, you know, uh, you know, content warning here, just big content warning, but like seeing horrible things happen to people basically. And that will always stick with me because I, I am a person who sees at least some level of bad things happening. And I've seen my share of dead bodies and I've had to examine dead bodies myself, um, in the field. Uh, (laughs) one of the first things you do is actually a field autopsy of a, of a, you know, a corpse that's been dead for a week, which is especially bad in like every way. And there's something really difficult and really interesting and really weighty, I think, about that aspect, about, like, the aspect of, like, okay, people who see things that are really weighing on you do have a tendency towards substance abuse. There's also this twin notion here, though, of you're a cop, right? And that's that's difficult. It's difficult to play as a cop, just generally, politically speaking, as I I guess, as a leftist and as a person who has issues with this kind of thing. So I, I guess two questions. One, did it bother you at all? Or, and two, does the game kind of do enough work to make sure it's complicated enough and complicated in the ways that it should be for you? Uh, the game. So at first, it, when this game was coming out, it was like, I want to say it was like right around or right before the uh, last wave of uh, Black Lives Matters protest uh protests had really gone um off at the time um and so it was really really difficult at first to play a game uh to sell me on a game that uh has you play as a cop uh that being said to answer your second question the game goes well out of its way to establish that like you are a detective, but you are not a police officer in the like United States modern like post right. um emoluments clause 
emoluments is that that's the right one one right um basically the post slavery idea of policing in the United States right um, there is a long extended um, sequence that you can find where they describe how policing works in this um, country. I, I always forget if the country is called Revachal or if the country is called Martinez. Um, right. I want to say the country is called Revachal and Martinez is the name of the, the district. City. Yeah. Or, or yeah, yeah. Um, but I can never quite remember. Uh, but they basically go, uh, like Kim can explain to you how policing works in this game. And you know, the amnesia thing is kind of a tired trope in a lot of RPGs, but I think in this one, it's put to really good use to like, let your character question the world, like a newborn baby and kind of like understand different philosophical views and, um, how things work in this world. And what they basically explain is that the police in this world do not, um, basically have any, uh, they don't arrest people in this world. They don't carry. Uh, I think he does carry a gun. Uh, Harry is supposed to be carrying a gun, but they they don't really use them very often. Or the worst ones um, are not supposed to. Like the worst ones do, but you're really not supposed to. Um, yeah, but they they explain it as like everything is like the threat of paperwork. Basically, yes. like, and bit- if you ever use your service weapon, you will be cross-examined so much. Like, I mean, this is as it, you know, this is a better way of doing things, but <laughs> you'll be cross-examined for thou- like hours and hours and hours and hours to make sure that your story lines up, that you didn't use excessive force, right. basically. Like there's, there is like a lot of, of dialogue that actually goes to establish that they are, these are, Police that are actually very constrained in what they are actually allowed to do and what they're allowed, what is like accepted even in the department, I guess. Because, yeah, they can't cuff people, right? Like they can't take people out of their homes. What they do in this world, if somebody is like accused of a crime or needs to be questioned or something like that, they basically put up a notice that says, hey, come to the police station and talk to us and we'll we'll figure things out from there. And then like most and then what they discovered is just most people do because like they put out basically like, like if people don't show up within a certain time, they put like fines out for them or whatever. And it's like. Uh, get a job and yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it it like becomes more of a hassle than anything so rather than use like force or violence they they like you said they use like bureaucracy and paperwork to basically like uh just hope that people will show up and when people don't show up it's like well we did our best and like they weaponized so, bureaucracy is basically what this is right like a hundred percent which but is interesting yeah, <laughs> there's on, an ele- there's an element of like consent from the citizenship that like the, the the like the citizens of this place will consent like will only basically be a quote unquote arrested if they consent to show up um, right. for it. And yeah, like like you said, like mostly they do do that. And then in a lot of other cases, like it just turns out like and if the cops like try to to overstep their bounds, there are other forces acting against them that hold them in check. In the case of uh, Disco Elysium, there is, for instance, this union um, that works on the docks in this in this district that you uh, work out of because the cops don't usually come down to this area is like one of the big things like there's rarely are actual just like murders. And so it's actually kind of a big deal that there has been a murder in this area and um, you know, people mostly look out for their own, uh, and don't need cops and it, like to begin with. And it's only yeah. when this murder happens that they need to call in a detective to try and figure it out. Um, because, and like, a like I said, if they try to pull some shit, then the unions protect the people in this area and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so they definitely go out of their way to kind of like describe like a very different, uh, vision of what policing could be. In yeah. this way, they because they want to clearly have the 
it's cool to be a detective. It's cool to investigate. Right, exactly. Things, yeah. You know? That's that's the sort of difficulty I guess I'm I'm coming up against it at times because I'm having so much fun playing this. I'm having so much fun with like the puzzle aspect. And I actually really loved I don't know if this maybe sounds gross and weird, but I really loved the field autopsy scene because I will get into that kind of thing. I'll be like, oh my God, yes, you got to look for all the clues. And that's how I play games in general is like, oh, what is this RSA like saying about this world? Oh, this poster over here. I need to look at that. Like, that's just how my brain works. I love to piece together every single little thing and see how it connects to other things in the world. That's why it takes me forever to play single player games, but I get a lot of joy out of it. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to watch the pieces fall in place. It's fun. Exactly. It's fun. But it's also like one of those things where, oh, does that that make me a cop? Like, does that make my personality cop-like in some way, like detective-like in some way? And should I be, you know, a little more concerned about that kind of thing? So it is playing with like, okay, the tropes of a detective and the tropes of, uh, you know, a cop in the field and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, I I do think it does a lot of work to not be shitty in a lot of ways. But it'll always use tropes. Like things will always use tropes. There is like a 70s buddy cop dynamic going on here between your character and Kim as well. That is like also a lot of fun and like a lot of fun to see, especially as you get to know Kim a little better and Kim gets to know you a little better and you just get these little, he, he's obviously like a very like pretty straight laced character in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's and you get thing, these little yeah. bits, little bits and pieces of his personality, like the spinners that he took off of, you know, somebody illegally and it was just like, well, we can sell these and you can stay in the hotel tonight. But you know, the spinners looked cool and like, the radio programs he enjoys, like all kinds of like little things that are just like, Kim, you're, you're great. I love you, Kim. There's such a good scene with him at one point that uh, is one of my absolute favorite Kim moments where there's a, the game takes place over the course of like three or five days. Um, some number of uh, days Yeah, that you progress through by like every choice of dial. Like, like you're not walking around, and time is just passing. You're not on a time limit in that way. Um, but anytime you like discover new dialogue or do a new check or something like that, like two minutes pass in game or whatever. So you're free to explore and move around, but you, but there is also a little bit of time pressure. It turns out to not actually be that big of a deal. Um, but there is a, uh, situation in the game where there's like a big bridge to another section of the city that you can't get to until like day three. And if you go to that big bridge, you will talk to the guys who are like working on repairing the bridge or whatever. And it's like, yep, we're waiting on these supplies so we can put down some boards and like rebuild this bridge and we can get across or whatever. But um, my friend is stuck on the other side because he's waiting on the stuff and I'm stuck over here. But I got his salami. Yes. He's like eating this guy's salami. And then (laughs) he's just like taking slices off while his friend is watching. He's like, you motherfucker, you eat my salami. (laughs) And uh, you as uh, Harry can be like, can I have some of that salami? And he's like, absolutely, you can have some of that salami. <laughs> and then uh, one of the other dialogue options you could have is like, hey, Kim, you want some salami? <laughs> and then, like, Kim like looks at it and she's like, oh, this is obviously being an asshole right now, but I do want some salami. So he's like, take some salami. He like shrugs and just takes it. And it's like so good. This this kind of like interplay it, it is the buddy cop thing of like you know they're they're uh perfect uh they're, they're the odd couple right it's yeah. like your character is just this completely deranged maniac who <laughs> can do whatever he wants and people let him get away with it because he has the air of authority of being a police officer and then kim is a guy who takes all that stuff very seriously and you just you know 
you end up as a player not wanting to disappoint Kim. Kim serves yeah. that very important like um, focus for you as a as a person. Whereas um, for Kim, you play this role of like you gotta loosen up, man, and like live a little and like have fun in a way that again doesn't feel judgmental. It just feels like. In the same way that you don't want to disappoint Kim, you also want Kim to feel good and, and like have a fun time sometimes. Yeah, you you want Kim to like live his best life a uh-huh. little bit, you know. You want to get those fucking jackets, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's, really uh, it's really really good. I do love Kim. What are some of your other favorite characters in this? Because uh, I want to hear a little bit of yeah. Who else you enjoyed spending time with in this I mean, world? They're not I mean, really... y- you could also like hate them and just enjoy the, you know. There's there's the a ton of characters them. I love. I mean, there's not they're not really characters, but the ancient reptilian brain. Who talks like this, baby? <laughs> yeah, he talks to you at the beginning of the game and will let you swim in the Apesiopelastic. <laughs> abyss harry like he's so good um it's like the part of harry's brain that is like the quote-unquote ancient reptilian brain and then he has another part of his brain that that talks like this because he's scared of everything um those those two parts of harry's brain are very good uh there's a lady who makes dice um like custom like board game dice uh, i really like um, have you gotten to the like rave kids who are trying to like start a dance hall? No, I, I've sadly not met the rave kids yet. They're really good. There's like a lot of great interactions over there, uh, between like Kim and the rest of the group. Um, this just game is just full of amazing characters that are like so unlike anything you will else you would encounter in other, uh, games. And it's tough to talk about all of them without just like going down a list and being like, I love the, I love the guy who has become a weird sort of like mindless spider man who just lives in the rafters of this abandoned church and is super creepy and everybody thinks he's a ghost, but he's actually just kind of chill and <laughs> likes to hang out in the rafters. Uh, uh, the, old, the old man playing bocce or whatever it is. Yes. It's like fake really bocce. bocce. It's like the old man just playing their ball game basically yeah. are really interesting. There's like the yeah. monarchist and his like communist um friend who like they were like best friends growing up and they they they're like what if the grumpy old men from grumpy old men, you know, the movie <laughs> um yeah. like ended up fighting uh on different sides of a war and both survived and are just hanging out now. <laughs> yeah. It's it's honestly really good. There's like uh, there, there's a, a point of dialogue um, once you go to the, you know, the dock area and find the the little guardhouse that is the unnecessary guardhouse. And then you talk to both of them and there's like a grudging respect that they both have for each other, even though they yell at each other all the time and yeah. make fun of each other all the time. There's like a grudging respect between them uh, of like, ah, uh, this guy sucks, but he did do this. And like it, there, there's dialogue and there's that little bit of flavor text that's just like. You know, he's trying not to be too obvious about it, but he does respect his friend. And it's like, oh, these guys, <laughs> you know, like they're completely philosophically opposed to each other, like yep. politically and emotionally, but also have been together for so long and known each other for so long that they can't imagine life without one another. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. have basically decided that they are too old to have any real impact on the philosophical or political leanings of the rest of the world. So like, what does it matter what their actual beliefs are? They can't change anything (laughs) now anyway, or at least so they believe. So what they do instead is they go and play fake fantasy bocce uh, by the (laughs) docks. Yep. (laughs) 
Uh, and that's so good. That's so nuanced yeah. and, and fun between those two. There's like a whole subplot, like it, it continuing in the grumpy old men thing. There's a whole subplot yeah. about how like they both love the same girl who used to date oh. both of them when they were kids and then like wound up marrying one of them. And then she passed away. And now like they're both just left alone and bitter. Um, God, I love them. Yeah. Really good. There's an old woman who's a lorry driver as well. Yeah. Right? really loved uh she's like always fantasizing about like this old like sort of like western like oh yeah you know the songs that she used to like sing and like the ideas of like this romantic western figure like she's she's really good it's just everything everything in this game does feel like it was written lovingly if that makes sense that like a lot of time and energy and love was poured into making all these very weird characters feel very different from one another and feel very believable in this world. And like, they really do fit into this complex web of interactions and this, this very complex political landscape. Um, a lot of people are just people and they're just kind of doing their own thing. Uh, yeah. And, and it feels, it kind of feels right. It feels interesting. It feels fun to talk to everyone and look at everything. And, and occasionally yeah. you run into some people who are some real pieces of shit and they suck oh, ass. Yeah. Oh and- yeah. But again, it like leans into that game's like willingness to to say like, yeah, these people are are terrible, but then like never gives them any kind of redemption, really. Like the, it, if anything, you what you end up finding is these people who you think are are bad or even worse, uh, yeah. ultimately, in a lot of ways. And the only ways that you can interact with them are basically hostile. And if you try to agree with them and go down the like fascist uh, route uh, with the like fascist thought cabinet stuff, they still don't respect you or like you or anything like that. They still treat you like shit. You can progress with the game technically, I think a lot of the time, but you'll you lose out on a lot of stuff and get um, talked down to. And Kim will think less of you and all this other stuff throughout the game. So, which feels like the truest punishment, like Kim thinking less of you is like, uh-huh. Oh, that's worse than death. It's yeah. so much worse than death. Like you want Kim to love you. Like Kim is the best. He's 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 honestly a little bit of your your sort of like, all right, be a little more like Kim, you know, mm-hmm. like throughout the whole thing, like be a little more like Kim, you know. And then Kim like eventually starts to respect you too, like or when he does respect your your weird fucking tactics. There's like a really great interaction with him at one point where he's just basically like, yeah, when we first started talking, you kept asking people like, what planet is this and what's my name? Like, you seemed like you were completely off your rocker, but at the same time, it got results. So I figured, eh, what the fuck? Like, Kim has, like, <laughs> got this very... Remember the long goodbye? Remember when we talked about that? Oh, on the yes, yet? yes, yes. He has this sort of, like, slightly more straight-laced Philip Marlowe type quality to him where... Sure. He he likes to follow the rules and go by the books, but like push come to shove, he will just go with the flow. He will just be like water, my friend. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's fun. It's a fun dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, Did you have any, uh, besides the old bocce men, did you have any other favorite, favorite characters besides Kim? Oh, God. Yeah. I, I, I love the cryptozoologist's wife. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's great. She just has so many great like moments of of being very excited about her husband's work and being very excited about like, oh, yes, I've heard all the arguments before about how it's not scientific. But did you know? And like you you can just keep going on with it almost as like a tease to to Kim. Right. Yeah. Like, he, he's like, oh, just yeah. One crypto. Just one cryptid. That's it. And you're just like, mm, about this other one. You don't want to hear about this, Kim. That's how I saw it anyway. Being no, like, very yeah. dad. 
you know, with it. Um, that, that pays off in the best fucking way possible in the last act of this game, too, if you keep oh, going down that route. Uh, oh, it goes down all these different routes of just like, yeah, like you said, like it's almost a dare. It's like you're daring <laughs> Kim to just be to tell you, no, we can't go hunt for more cryptids. And by the end, he'll just be like, fuck it. Let's hunt cryptids. I love yes! this shit, too. <laughs> and it pays off in some other more tangible ways, too, that are wild. But yeah, that's so good. Um, I also really love electrochemistry. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't do what electrochemistry wants me to do, but I love electrochemistry as the voice in your head. That's like, yeah, it's like the pleasure secret. Honestly, kind of an id sort of thing going totally. on. But yeah. it's the one that's like, like constantly telling you, go find some cigarettes, smoke some cigarettes. They feel fucking good as hell to yes. smoke some cigarettes right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Merit also, I remember really loving uh, electrochemistry when the game first yeah. came out because electrochemistry awesome. will tell you to go do drugs and stuff like that. But the game doesn't really overtly punish you for just like trying drugs and doing drugs and stuff like that. It's not the Disco Elysium is not um, uh, scolding in that way like that. A lot of I yeah. feel like like Fallout will allow you to do drugs and it'll be like, but you can get a temporary boost to whatever, whatever, but you'll get a much longer crash. And this game is just like, no, whatever. You can just kind of that's that's a whole like plot. Like that's that's an entire DLC in uh, we were just talking about really um, uh, the I'm trying to say the right one. The outer worlds. Yes, the outer worlds. <laughs> but that's like a, a 11 hour huge DLC to the game is like, oh, the plot of how they made this basically speed and like how it devolved people and blah, 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 blah. Like the, the drug itself and like the manufacturing of that drug itself is the whole uh, Adrena time, I think, is the right. Yeah. The game. time like, is the, the whole plot of that huge DLC. So. Yeah. Once again, once again, we're proving Disco Elysium may have may have had a, a cooler approach to a similar subject matter, just like Kim versus Parvati. I'm I'm really creating this whole uh, this this duel between the games. They are nothing like each other, but no. <laughs> there are these funny little touch points, right? <laughs> right, and they came, came out, out the around same the same time. time. You know, they came out very close thing. to each other and were both RPGs. And I remember at the time yeah. the conversation at the initial release was a lot of like people picking up the outer worlds and be like, wow, okay. Like the outer worlds is really doing some stuff here. This is fun. I haven't played one of these in a while. And then disco Elysium came out and was like, Oh, but this is transcend. This is like a transcendent experience. Yeah, I'm sorry yes. to the outer worlds, but oh fuck. Yeah. Uh, uh, outer worlds. is a great fallout. Like it really is like such a good modern fallout, like a really fun fallout, but this is a much deeper story. This is all about the story. This is a hundred percent. The story um, and, you know, certainly there's a lot of mechanical weight. There are these choices that you make, frankly, to, you know, build a character and, you know, create a character's path and all of this kind of stuff. Like there's a lot going on behind the scenes, basically, but it's a, it's a much deeper story <laughs> for right. sure by, by a lot. And like, that's exactly what, I don't think the outer worlds purports to be no, that no, either. No. Like it's not, nobody's pretending that they are the same type of story or game, but no, no. yeah, they're, but- <laughs> There they just did, they they went for a very specific thing, and then Disco Elysium went for like an entirely new thing. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I to be honest, I haven't played a game much like this before. I don't yeah. think. Like I've certainly played games that are uh, mechanically enhanced visual novels. I guess you could say that sure, that type sure. of thing. You know, Adventure certainly games. story first, lots of choices, lots of mechanics going on behind the scenes, lots of checks, lots of things with a build, but not quite like this. Uh, in in quite this way, um, I almost hesitate to put it 
I mean, it's it's an RPG, certainly, but they call it can one. also mean almost uh, anything, right? Yeah, I mean, like... I it, guess I'm asking an RPG person if anything could be an RPG. <laughs> oh, I think at this point everything is an RPG because right. <laughs> people figured out that making numbers go up feels good. So <laughs> right, yeah. They just added RPG elements to a bunch of other games. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, this game is definitely an RPG. You, you make choices, you level. It, it's, like, more... It, it basically borrows from adventure games and then throws that into the like soup of a Planescape torment or that sort of thing, rather than borrowing from like a Baldur's gate or something like that, where it's like all combat all the time. Sure. sure, Um, but I think it's just going down like it's, it's a different evolutionary branch of the same kind of concept of those old RPGs, CRPGs as people call them sometimes. Yes. Yes. Like the original fallout type. Yes. So we'll follow one and two. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, it just happens to be one of those games where like no encounter or very, 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 very few encounters end with you be like pulling out a gun and shooting anybody. Sure. Like, sure. sure. Um, Way more heart attacks than that. I definitely yeah. had a heart attack at one point kicking a <laughs> kicking a furnace. Yeah. I think. It wasn't even on. It was just like the lid of a furnace. And uh, like there's a thought a that your character can get where he's just like, I must end all things like he just like wants to reduce everything into Keppel from do Android's dream of electric sheep. And he's just like, I want to hit this mailbox because mailboxes, because items, because inanimate objects are the enemy. And Kim is like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. You Uh, can really get lost in your head in this game in a very literal way. (laughs) mm -hmm. I mean, it's a game where you level up your stats in things like electrochemistry and whatnot, and uh, try to become like better and more proficient at running these skill checks. But having too high of a thing will develop like these sort of like subtle obsessions. Like you're like, they don't ever, I think like codify it in that way. They never chide you for saying like, Oh, you're, you're too into electrochemistry. You're too into following your gut with like the the shivers skill. Um, It never presents it that way. But my understanding is that mechanically, if your skills get high enough in certain things, your character will just become obsessed with certain ideas and Mm. will have new thoughts about things that are just like completely nonsense. Like, They'll be like, um, hey, you should definitely go and, like I said, like hit hit this mailbox because fuck this mailbox because um, this mailbox is mocking you with its very existence. And like, yeah, you're right. This mailbox is mocking me with its existence. I should hit it. Um, Or the electrochemistry one is kind of the obvious um, parallel here because it'll just be like, you should find a cigarette and smoke the shit out of it right now. You should take those painkillers that you see on this woman's dresser and just like take them for yourself. And you should do stuff like that. If your skill in electrochemistry isn't high enough, you just won't get those. Your character won't like be confronted with those like narrated urges in that same way. Ah, yeah. And it happens with more than just electrochemistry. There's uh, on my first playthrough. I think I I went like deeply down like an empathy route. Like there's uh, kind of four basic food groups of uh, skills in this game. Uh, it's like base, like they've all got their own different names, but they're basically uh, boiled down to like empathy, intelligence, reflexes, and strength. Yeah, it's like intellect, psyche, physique, and motorix. motorix. Yeah, motorix. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and by which like is going cool. Yeah, 
by like going down this like route of like being incredibly empathetic and like inquisitive about other people, like my character at one point like got this urge to like we were talking to some like random woman on the street who was just like, Hey, have you seen blah blah blah? Did you see anything on the night of the murder? And she's like, Oh no. But then because I was my character was so empathetic, like he just kept asking her questions and like being way too inquisitive about her personal life and asking about like, Oh, you say you have two daughters. Did they see anything on the night of the murder? And she's like, No, I don't think so. They're like doing a sleepover at some other friends of theirs or something like that and your character's like are they okay and she's like what are you talking about are they okay i think they're fine they're at somebody else's place it's like but have you checked on them have you called on them like do you know what they're they're actually okay maybe they've been uh, kidnapped maybe they've been murdered when was last time you heard from them like and he just keeps going down and down and down this route if your um skill is too high in this in this one area or whatever and like you come you absolutely come across as an asshole your character doesn't mean it that way your character is like he thinks that he is like um, just worrying too much about these people. But yeah, again, it is like in deeply, deeply um, interrogative uh, interrogative, I guess, in a way that is like uncomfortable to watch. And then Kim has to like put a hand on your shoulder sometimes. And he's great for this role and say like, Hey, chill, (laughs) (laughs) chill, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I went with like, one intellect, four psyche, four physique, and three motorics. motorics. Oh, okay. So I'm a very like um, empathetic, and uh, you know, I guess endu- like physique is is kind of weird because it's like things like endurance and pain threshold, electrochemistry is in there, all kinds of yeah. fun stuff. So I got a lot of that, uh, and then like decent on the the sort of strength stuff. Um, and not very good at any intellect. Danielle, um, did you make a himbo? I made a himbo. Because <laughs> he, like, I'm, I'm hearing you describe this as like, uh, he's stupid. He is uh, very strong and beefy. He and is very kind. kind. <laughs> and I think that's everything on the graph. I think that's himbo. Yep. yep. I, think you made I made himbo a himbo Harry. Uh, or Raphael or whatever. <laughs> I made a hippo protagonist. Yep, uh, I sure Hippo did. protagonist, yeah. My new fucking hippo Neil protagonist, character. that's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul says you made Rocky. <laughs> I did! I really did. Where's Where's love of animals on here? There should be like a turtles thing oh, I can yeah. put points into, you know? Like a bird thing. That's the That'd cryptids. Cool. That's the cryptids. Oh my God, we figured it out. This game is Rocky. And I have made Rocky in it. Fuck. Oh, I see. I keep going on and on about how I think it's France. It's Philadelphia. That's where this is. That's what's going on. Here. Oh, boy. Uh, the place where this actually takes place, or the place where this, ugh. Uh, the location where this game is actually set, the, the world that they have established. Um, have you learned yeah. anything about that yet? Quite a bit. I mean, I a lot of the political history of it, uh, a lot of the geography. One of the first things I did was go into the bookstore and look at all the maps and steal one of the maps. And all right. Of, yeah, yeah. You can do that. The shit that I've done. Um, and I keep kind of looking for like, OK, where, where are we going with with this and where are we going with that? And it is it is pretty cool and pretty interesting. What I've been trying to do is like figure out the time period. Uh huh. It's there's a lot going on with that, huh? So that's what I'm more asking about. There's basically like an entire element to the nature of the universe in which this game takes place that you can just completely never see. And when I encountered it for the first time in my playthrough, Kim was like, 
you don't want to know about this. <laughs> like this, yeah. like you are too far gone right now. You are too lost at sea to grasp the concepts of like the world that we live in beyond like the, you live in this city in this country and you don't want to dig deeper into this. And then you can either be like, you're right. I don't want to learn about this. Or you can be like, no, tell me about this. If you have the like high enough, like guts to ask like about yeah. the nature of the world. And there is some fucking shit going on. <laughs> <laughs> In the world of Disco Elysium uh, that you can learn about, uh, it ties back to the the kids who want to do the rave. Uh, it gets wild, Danielle. I don't want to spoil it for you because I know you haven't beaten it yet, but um, you might find some stuff. Oh, I can't wait. I honestly can't wait. Like, I really, I'm like, I have another in- meeting after this. <laughs> and then I'm like, and I'm playing <laughs> Disco Elysium some more. Um, uh, because our discussion has made me, uh, I appreciate it even more. But also, this game is fucking awesome. And I, uh there's a lot here. There's so much that that's the other thing. Like there's so much to appreciate on so many levels with this game that it's continues to be amusing no matter what my actual state of mind is. Yeah. Like I, I I'm playing this and I'm getting that sense of like, okay, it's almost like my own like little voices are being like, all right, let me be clear. I don't hear literal voices or anything. No, no you said no shade to people who do. I that's all good. It's all all good. Just, uh, you know, the way you kind of conceptualize different parts of your personality and the way this game does that in a very literal way is very cool. And I can I can almost feel like some of that thinking creeping up on me where I'm just like, all right, well, I could keep playing this or I could go, you know, ride on my bike or I could go like take care of my animals or I could go like I'm almost like thinking in terms of these other conceptions of, of personality. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, this is really getting into my brain. This game is getting all the way in there. It's yeah. great. <laughs> Uh, I was definitely maybe not somebody who like ever like heard voices in that way and like um, dealt with that particular thing. But like I've I've definitely been a person in the past before I even played this game, um, especially when I was much younger, that like would definitely think of things from different perspectives in my head yeah. as almost like different characters sometimes. Totally. And yeah. it is interesting to see that sort of like gamified, for lack of yeah. a better term. Uh, in Disco Elysium and um, seeing like coming back to it now and especially hearing the actual voices through the voice acting is uh, really fascinating. So cool. Yeah, I, I love I love the voice acting, especially for the um, head characters. I'm sure there's like an actual name for them, but like right, the, the, the voices, aspects the, like perception you know. and, you know, authority and empathy and, and all these things, these in aspects the of a personality. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, all of these things are, I guess, aspects of personality or aspects of mind or aspects of being. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, they are personified in just the coolest way. Um, yeah, through the personas. voice acting and You're through right. the writing. Yeah. Um, this is just like Persona. It's a it's an RPG. Um, you hang out with Kim. He's your favorite confidant. Uh, <laughs> you level him up, and then the fusion gets uh better. That you get more XP bonuses. It's great. Love yeah, it. it's just like the, what do you call the dates you go on with your friends? I think just dates. Pretty sure. Are they just called dates? Okay. It's like, you know, the the, the friends themselves are called confidants in Persona 5 and every other game before that, they're called uh, social links. Yeah, social links. That's what I heard it from. So you're going on a social link date. Yeah. Whatever it's called. I haven't played those games, but I've watched somebody play 100 hours of five. So uh, you might enjoy. It. You might enjoy some of them. I honestly might. It's just a it's just a question of time, sadly, in, in mm-hmm. my life. You know, I have to give another 3,000 hours to Into the Breach. And that's, you know, this is well, the question of time. <laughs> now, Danielle, 
Ah. Hey, that's valuable Disco Elysium time you're burning. Make sure you beat this one first, because I want to hear your reaction to the ending of this game. Yeah, it'll be fun to it'll be fun to get there. I think I'm looking forward to it myself. Um, How have you we glanced at this a little bit earlier at the beginning, but um, how have you been finding the PlayStation 4 version of the game? Like um, it's a little janky. It's a little janky. I'm not going to lie. I have had a couple of um, of crashes. Uh, thankfully, I didn't really lose much, so that's cool. Um, good, and good. just like the some of the menu stuff is like a little a little weird. Like I have to double tap on things all the time. Um, mm. Like to be like, no, I want the one to the left of that. No, to the left of you know, kind of almost like. But to be honest, it's almost adding another level of like personality to it. That like you know my, my I'm I'm so harried and so like <laughs> fucked up that I'm just like no look over there oh my head's so tired right. oh, I mean look over there it, like there's almost an aspect of it that feels like that that yeah. I don't think is probably intentional but it's doing that for nah me, you so. just specked in the Butterfingers trait and now it like that's talking what to it you, is like oh you really fucked this one up eh <laughs> like you're just too tired to look in the right direction <laughs> yeah no, sorry my neck is tired I don't want to look over there. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. No, I get that sometimes. Hey, my neck gets tired sometimes, you know? Yeah. I think sometimes all... I get too tired to look in the right direction. I've gotten that tired before in my life. I have. Oh, That's yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> it sounds like We're something that they tired. would address in uh, yeah. the <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure. And, like, you know, anytime it's crashed, I've sent the little the little thingy. Oh. I'm, sure, I'm sure they'll make a little patch. Yeah, I'm sure that it's being worked on as we speak. Yeah. Um, but I think that's probably going to do it for us on this episode, unless there's something specific that you didn't get a chance to talk about that you would like to address right now. No, I just want more people to play this game. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really fucking cool. It is unique in a lot of ways. Like its tone does feel very unique. It does feel like this is very much its own thing yeah. uh, and in its own world with its own sense of personality and politics. And it's it's definitely worth taking a look at whether it looks like a weird confusing thing or not i i highly recommend anybody with even a passing interest in story and games to take a look at it and give it a shot yeah if you are too worried about it being like mean or mean-spirited in that kind of way like don't be it it like really the the first kind of like opening minutes of the game can make you think that it's going in kind of a uh cringy direction or like kind of that like um Schadenfreude area but yeah, really yeah. it's not doing that it's playing with a lot of that language in in spots but really it is a feel good game at the end of the day that also just it it, it the the feel good element of it is Everybody in this world or, or a large chunk of the people in this world are just doing their best to be as happy as they can with what they've got in a fucking yep. place that has been completely destroyed by liberalism, like neoliberalism um, yeah. in, a, in a horrible way, which is called ultra liberalism in the game. Yeah, as Paul pointed yeah. out. Yep. Paul makes a really good point in, in chat it, that it feels mature, which is nice. Yeah. It's nice in my old age is, is what he said. Uh, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. And it, like, there's a test of like, you don't always have to do this. It's it's not like, oh, this is the hard and fast, but does this, oh, would this be better as a novel? Would this be better as a movie? Would this be better as a TV show? It's perfect as a game. Like yeah. it actually does feel very suited mechanically to the way it's put together and the way that things are gamified. And it's both a mature piece of literature and also really well suited to its medium. And yeah. I always, that always makes me happy when I'm not like, oh, you know, this really would be a better movie because sometimes some stories are better suited to other medium and that, that doesn't mean it sucks. It's just... This one's very, very, very well designed around what it is uh, yeah. and feels earned in every way. 
No other medium would have allowed me to have that weird moment with taking my pants off to jump across the building. Exactly. Right? Like you could write exactly. that scene in a movie, but you couldn't have the the same experience of like the element of discovery of the realization that, oh, if I take my pants off and jump around in my underwear, I'm cooler by the game standards exactly. as I can jump off. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's really good about that. And like the to speak to the maturity, like, yeah, the game is concerned with a certain set of like principles and a certain set of like problems to have that are so different than what we see in most video games, which either boiled if the, if you play as adults usually boil down to, we got to go shoot the bad aliens or whatever. Or if you are in an RPG, like a gym RPG, you're a bunch of kids. Like we got to go save the world because a big evil dark Lord has tried to destroy it or whatever. And this is like, the stakes are so much more down to earth and like because they the stakes themselves are down to earth, the interactions that you um, have time to worry about in this game are also more down to earth and more like things that we could worry about in our own day to day lives. Like the relationships that we have with people that like our coworkers, like, you know, Kim and, and Harry kind of in a lot of ways mirror like the sort of like way that we don't want to let down people that are close to us in our life and that we we want them yeah. to like like us as much as we like them and things like that. And, yeah. um, it's really, really cool to have a game where those are the chief concerns and not just like background flavor. Like this entire game is just that, but layered yeah. over some of the most unique and interesting characters I've basically ever seen in my life. Um, in a way that just makes me envious, honestly, sometimes. I'm just like, motherfucker, how come I couldn't write anything this good? <laughs> That's another test of something being great, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, oh, God damn it. That makes me want to go try. You know, that kind of feeling of like, totally. oh, damn it. You know, like, if you have two tests, there you go. Yeah. Danielle's tests for video games. Like, <laughs> That's Danielle's test. And this has been Danielle's Trick, another Fanbyte <laughs> review podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Thank you, Paul, who you can find on Twitter at Polymeo. Thank you, Danielle. Who, Thank you. Uh, this has your- been so much fun. Oh, yeah, of course. We haven't done one of these together in a long time. I know. It's been forever. And I'm so glad that we that we're doing it. Um, yeah, and we'll it, it you were about to ask me my Twitter handle, which is Danielle R.I. If you want to follow me for my uh, video game testing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at Steven Strum or you can go to fanbyte.com and read all the stuff that I write there or go to fanbyte.com slash podcasts to listen to the various other shows that I am on, as well as the ones that Paul and Danielle work on. You can go to fanbyte.casa to join our Discord. You can um, tell your loved ones that you care about them. Aww. You know, that's just a thing you could do, theoretically. Um, But uh, I think that's going to do it for another uh, Fanbyte podcast. Thanks, everybody, uh, for the third or fourth time, I think, this episode. Uh, For now, we're putting this review in the rear view. But we'll always be looking forward. Baby! <laughs> yeah!